Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. In today's episode, we're going to dive into examining the stylist role in communication breakdowns within the salon and how you can actually lead yourself through some of those boundaries and communication issues that we experience with our clients. My guest today makes a really interesting point, and that is that when you are not stepping into that leadership role and guiding the direction of the interaction with your clients, you're essentially inviting them to do the leading. So if you've ever felt like your clients are running your business or you are feeling uncomfortable when it comes to advocating for yourself while still balancing, creating a really beautiful experience for your clients, you are going to want to listen to this episode. Before we get into it, I want to remind you, this is the last week to join me for Beauty Biz Brand Academy. I have made the decision to retire this program. If you're curious about why, go back and listen to last week's episode where I talk all about my evolution within the beauty industry. And because this has been such an impactful, incredible program, I didn't want to just let it go away quietly. I wanted to go out with a bang. We are keeping this container intimate and it's going to be a really amazing swan song for BBBA. So head over to Instagram, send me a DM at it's Jody Brown if you want to get inside or head to jodybrown.ca slash BBBA. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. I know I say this almost every time, but I really am so excited about today's topic because I think that I started following my amazing guest who I'm going to get to introduce herself in a moment on Instagram because I love the refreshing take and the message about taking responsibility for yourself, for your business, and almost putting your own experience and your own behavior at the forefront when you're analyzing things within your business. Because I think this is the tough love that people aren't comfortable really saying, but it is vital. Thank you so much for being here, Mariah. Would you mind just taking a second, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your journey in the beauty industry? Yes. Hi. Hi, everyone. Mariah, as Jody said. First, thank you so much for those words. I'm so encouraged by everything that you just said. And being like the tough love disher is a tough spot to be in, but I feel so strongly about it. As people listen, they'll understand why it means so much to me. And I hope that comes through that it's all love ultimately Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. But I got started in the beauty industry while I was in high school. I did a vocational program through my high school. My senior, my junior and senior year, I split my days and I went to regular school for half the day. And then I went to cause school the other half of the day. And pretty much right around the time I graduated from high school, I got my license shortly after that. Mm-hmm. And been trying to figure out my place in the industry. My first job was actually at a rental salon, which is crazy looking back on wow. it because I, 
I had no business being in that place, but it was, it was great. And the salon was owned by one of my aunts and the team around me. They really nurtured me and helped me grow in my skill set, helped me become more confident behind the chair. I was so incredibly supported and I'm still, as you can see, tremendously grateful to that team to this day. And then after I finished, uh, I was going to college at the same time in that area. And then I graduated from college, moved back to my hometown, and I started working in a commission-based salon. And I worked there for the last maybe eight, eight years. And then as of, it'll be two years this fall that I have been in a salon suite. So in the middle of all that, I've also been an educator for an international brand. I was the director of education for that brand at one point of time. I've served in salon leadership. I've done receptionist. I've dabbled in almost all the areas with the exception of owning a salon with a team. So I've been all around. But I love that. And- yeah. Go it ahead. gives you so much of an experience, though, because I think when you look at it, this is a thing that we don't necessarily give ourselves credit for, right? We think about, okay, what have I been to school for? What have I done this? What What's my job description been? But all of the nuances in between and the experience that you get along the way from being in these different parts of the industry can really lead you to a fresh perspective, which is what drew me to you. And I love what you said too about it is all love. I think that's very evident. I think sometimes we talk about self-care being the fluffy stuff, but a big part of it, self-care in life and in business is being willing to look yourself in the face a little bit and figure out, is this serving me? Is this belief, behavior, whatever it is, actually getting me to where I want to be? Because that's ultimately going to be a much deeper form of that care. So you can absolutely tell that it's coming from a very loving place. And I'd love to know in your journey, what what made you decide that you wanted to get into working with other stylists in that one-to-one way after working in education, working in salons? What was that catalyst for this step in your career? Yeah, interestingly enough, it came on the back end of me thinking I was leaving the industry because I had been in for maybe like it was year eight or nine. And I was starting to feel a little bored, if I'm going to be fully honest, just working behind the chair. Then that opened up the door for education, fell in love with education, didn't even know how much I loved it until I got into it. And teaching classes and watching stylists have that learning experience and seeing those light bulbs go off and really working with them and problem solving. Like when they walked in the door, this formulation was so difficult and they felt like they were smacking their head up against the wall. And now they're leaving my class and their confidence is through the roof. They feel so much more connected to the brand, to their clients, to their work. And it was just amazing for me. And I did that. Then I started to wonder what else is out there for me. And that's when I started looking at life coaching. And for in the beginning of my coaching career, I was a general life coach. So totally outside the industry. And Mm -hmm. I did that for a while. Fast forward, I was looking at just the issues that people were dealing with. And it was really just human issues, our mindsets, our emotions, our drivers behind our behaviors. And then I said, what about inside of the industry? The industry is full of humans that have these same human issues that are disrupting our ability to have peace and calm and our stress levels are impacted by this. So let me bring this back to serve inside of the beauty industry, the people that I've known for so long and that I love so deeply 
that I don't see being widely nurtured in this way. There's some stuff, but not so broad. So I want to be part of expanding this part of support for the industry. I love that. And I think that's such an important area too, because especially as our industry goes more, I I see a lot more of an entrepreneurial spirit in the beauty industry and in the beauty community than was necessarily the case when I entered the industry initially, right? Like it was very much still predominantly larger commission salons. That was the path at the time. There were rental salons, of course, but it wasn't so much that entrepreneurial spirit. And with that, I've said this on the podcast probably a hundred times, like entrepreneurship is the biggest personal development journey that I think one can go on, right? Like motherhood's another one for sure, but it's such a huge shift. And this, whether or not you've like actually started your own business on paper or whether or not you're approaching your career as a stylist with an entrepreneurial mindset, I think you can do both. Even if you're a stylist listening right now who's in a commission salon, but you're listening, you're here, you're investing in your education, your growth, that that to me gives that entrepreneurial mindset. And so the support needed with that, I think, is finally starting to come in. And these are shifts that have happened over the last number of years in our industry. And I think it's just going to continue expanding. So when you work with stylists, where do you start? Where's the beginning of looking at, okay, am I am I participating in habits and behaviors and, and thoughts and things that serve me. Yeah. So most of the time what happens is we look at the functionality of their business overall. So the stylists that I work with pri- primarily are rental or suite. However, every, any model, it can work. But we start looking at how does this, how is your business functioning right now? Let's look and see what holes we can plug up. And usually by doing that, they're already taking actions that they otherwise weren't taking before. And so by going through that process, they start to become more confident in themselves. And when you feel more confident in yourself, then you give yourself the opportunity to say, okay, let me take a look at now, how am I showing up every single day? How am I interacting with my clients? What's that experience like for me on the inside? And is that how I want to keep it going. Do I want to keep it working this way? Because you can work an action plan, but have a really bad internal emotional experience with it. Or you can work that same action plan and be really excited about it and have a great emotional experience with it. I like to start off with the more tangible things to get some momentum building. And then we get deeper into the, the inner workings of the mindset and looking at shifting beliefs that have been around for a long time or were otherwise unexamined up until working together. Oh, I love that. And one of the things that I love too that you talked about was that I would love to dive into a little bit here is the whole concept of like the blame game. So that's how I'm phrasing it. But what I'm referring to is when we are getting angry or upset with clients or any of those kinds of things, how do you address that? Because I think that I know how I look at it and it's from, for me, it's from an empowerment perspective, right? If we're spending so much time focusing on the things that are completely out of our control, aka someone else's behavior in a situation, 
then I think it it puts us out of the mindset of being able to do something about it. So what are your thoughts on that particular situation? So dealing with, I'm going to use quote, like difficult clients, even if they aren't actually legitimately difficult clients, what can that look like in terms of that self-responsibility and also like making, dealing with it in a way that feels good? Yeah, I think you touched on it already is asking that question, is this client actually difficult or am I just perceiving them this way? Because when we look at a certain list of behaviors, and it's very easy to log into different communities to go online and find validation for them truly being difficult. So it's easy to feel justified in that position. But if we were to really slow down and say, okay, one of the first things I teach my clients is how to stick to the facts. Let's look at the facts, the hard and fast facts of this situation. What did they say exactly? What did they do exactly? What did that text say very specifically so we can be really objective? Facts that everybody would agree on, not subjective things or things that are like in in gray areas. And so when we do that, it puts it in a neutral place. And from that neutral place, you can think, how do I want to move forward with this? And maybe they aren't actually being difficult. Maybe they are just having a bad day. Maybe I want to just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, something's off here. Let's come to an agreement. Let's see what we can work out. Really going back to showing up like the leader in your space and being the one to stand in the forefront and set the tone rather than putting that responsibility on the clients. Because I feel like that's what ends up happening by default. When we don't take the position of guiding the ship in the space, then the client becomes the one in that role with their attitude Mm. or their lack of understanding of how a procedure of how a service should go. They take the lead. And then because that stylist is either too timid to say something or is too is is maybe more hot headed and doesn't want to explode on that client. So they end up saying it just makes it really muddy where if we could just get a little bit more understanding of of ourselves and the buttons that the clients are pushing within ourselves. And why is that even a button anyway? We might not find ourselves dealing with as many difficult clients anymore. We might find that they're really not that bad or they're not that, that annoying. Okay. So it's like about being proactive instead of reactive then. Exactly. So do you feel like this is something that is harder in your experience Is this something that you're seeing is more difficult for stylists once they step out into being? I think that it definitely amplifies it or magnifies it because there's one thing I've talked about. It's it's been a, a minute since I talked about it, but the difference between your employee brain versus your CEO brain. If you were an employee before and you were working for someone else, obviously, there's things that you're just really not thinking about because you never had to think about them. Uh, because you have a boss or a manager that is in that role. But then you move independent. So that person, that boss or whomever, salon owner is moved out of the way. And now you're the one that has to make all of these decisions. And so unless you have really made that mind shift, like that mental shift, your client becomes your boss, like a pseudo boss, because your boss or salon owner, they're the one that determines the pricing and the culture and how things go inside of the space. Unless you've really 
gotten clear on that yourself and how you want those things to roll out and be, and you've built up that belief in yourself as the leader, then your Mm -hmm. client is going to be the one that becomes the boss. When they say, when they object to a price, they set the price. When they object to a policy, they're the ones that's determining the policies. It's not, you know, it's like uh, the subliminal thing that goes on between the two. So that makes a lot of sense. And I can, thinking back, even think about the fact that not when it came to, I worked in traditional commission funds when I transitioned out of that into being an independent stylist. That was one of the biggest adjustments was the pricing conversation because before it was more, I would still, you'd still decide the price to an extent, but then someone else would bring your client through. You didn't have to deal with that so much head on. And I think maybe that's like the big difference. And now that you're saying that, I never thought of it in terms of if you don't show up as the authority in the space, then your client becomes the de facto leader. So I think that is a huge and really brilliant mindset shift. But I think it's one of those things that maybe if someone's listening, they're like, okay, easier said than done, right? So how would you say, is there any tangible tips that you can give in terms of starting to show up with more authority in your communication in your space while still, of course, honoring that guest experience in a way that's really respectful for both your client and yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Anytime you're trying to create sustainable mindset shifts, which is what I do with my one-on-one clients, it does take time. This is not anything that you can microwave or speed up because Mm -hmm. your patterns of behavior and your mindsets that you have currently have all been developed over time. But that being said, you can start to sort of question things inside of your own habits and your own practices. And I would say, let's say that you hear a really amazing piece of advice from a business coach or something here and you want to implement it, but it feels really intimidating or scary. Like, I don't know how I'm going to just do that. I don't know what my clients are going to say. Can you take that thing and maybe pare it down and make a version that you can actually implement? Mm. Like something that's going to be enough of a stretch. I call it a comfortable stretch with my clients. Like we want to stretch you, but we're not trying to snap you in half. Right. We, want to challenge you. we want to challenge you to do something new and outside of the box, but it you don't want it to be this like all or nothing. Just like a, hey, this is a, an opportunity for you to rise to the occasion. Can you pare it down and make yourself a comfortable stretch so that you can actually take that action and do it? See, it's not so scary. And then maybe the next step after that is to do the bigger thing. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love this. And as you were talking to, I was thinking about my, (laughs) this is funny, but I was actually thinking about my mom. So my mom is a hairstylist and she has been a salon owner, has done all the things. She's now an independent stylist. And she started working in a salon when she was 11 as a shampoo girl. She then bought that salon when 10 years later, when she was 21. So she's been in this industry, like she is an OG for sure. And What's interesting and just made me start thinking when you were talking is she actually implemented a cancellation fee for the first time in her career like a month ago, the -hmm. first time in like a 45 year career or whatever. And then she called me yesterday and she was like talking about something and she's yeah, and this client had done something that was really against a boundary. The industry was very different in 50 years ago than it is now. Like 
Absolutely. It very much, the service industry in general, I think was so much different. And so then she was talking about this is a boundary that I had and, and she was going to be doing something about it and sticking to that boundary. And it just got me thinking like, yeah, it is a ripple effect. So it was like, it started with maybe that not staying late and then it's implementing a cancellation fee for the first time. And then it's, it's the ripple effect of building confidence in sticking to your own boundaries and your own policies. And if someone who's been in the industry for literally almost 50 years at this point can start shifting and shifting the way that their clients are showing up in their business, shifting the way they're showing up, then I think that all of us can do it. Yes, absolutely. And there is definitely like something to be said for everybody working it out in their own time. Like it took her time to get to this place, but she saw the value in implementing that boundary. And the most important thing is doing it and doing it when you feel not a hundred percent confident, but yeah. some glimmer of confidence in there of there's a good reason for this. Because if mm -hmm. you feel like you're just forcing yourself to do something and then it goes left, let's say it does blow up in your face, then that serves as the quote unquote proof that you shouldn't have done yeah. it in the first place, which isn't true. But that's how it feels. So getting mm -hmm. to a place where you can just look at how is this operating? How do I want, how do I want my business to, to go? How do I want to feel when I'm here? How do I want my clients to feel when they're here? Because ultimately we work in an industry where there's such a beautiful like mesh between having fun, being creative, but it's also professional and more people are seeing it this way. But Stylists themselves, stylists ourselves, we have to really hold that vision and we can't wait around for clients to give us the permission to run our businesses the way that we want to. No knocks against the clients, but that's not their role. That's not their responsibility. All they should be doing is coming in at their appointment time, receiving their services, having a great time, paying and booking and going home. They don't need to have the any additional responsibility beyond that. So we can't wait for them to give us the stamp of approval. No. And honestly, I would say like from that perspective, even building on that, that it's a better experience and a more professional experience when your client doesn't have to worry about it because your boundaries and expectations are clearly outlined. That is one less decision. It's one less thing they have to think about because it's there. It's clear. And it is they feel comfortable because you have those systems and boundaries set up in a way that are easy to understand. Yes. And one thing if for people that may be listening that are struggling, because sometimes I guess a misconception about boundaries is it feels like a big list of no's like you can't do this and you can't do that. Yes. And you can't. I like to think about it almost in reverse is how is this actually for the client? How is this yes. in service? to the client and makes their experience even better. And mm -hmm. ultimately, the summary of all of my policies and every boundary that I have in my business is when I have these parameters in place and I'm this gives me the structure where I can work at my best and then they're getting the best version of me, not the one mm -hmm. that's tired or feels like I have to compromise my personal time to show up to do their hair. They're getting the best top notch, most well-rested, excited, happy version of me doing their service because I have these boundaries in place. So when you think about how it's for them and then maybe how it's for you, that can yeah. kind of help make it a little bit easier to hold to it when it comes to putting them out there. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so good. That's such an important 
kind of mindset shift. So I love that you shared that. Thank you. And then the last question that I have for you, because I really wanted to dive into this a little bit, was can you speak a little bit on communicating those boundaries? So once you've realized that, because I know you and I have some very similar views on this. We were chatting in Instagram stories a while ago on this, but I think that that's one of the things that the pendulum shift in our industry, I think, has resulted in maybe some not ideal communication in terms of boundaries. And yes, you should have them, but also we need to be sure to communicate boundaries in a way that isn't going to harm the business long term. So can we can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, um, less is more. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you were there, what happens? Okay, so we have to walk this back. This is going to be a generalization, but I know there's a lot of people that fit into this category. A lot of the times, one issue that a lot of hairstylists talk about facing is people pleasing and trying to overcome the people pleasing where you end up feeling like a, a doormat. And now they're trying to stop that behavior. I don't want to feel like a doormat. So the natural tendency is to swing to the opposite side of the pendulum mm. and then become like a warden. And say, yes. don't do this, don't do that, that like finger wagon hand on the waist is how it goes down in my space. You don't have to be that in order to set effective boundaries. And you can just, so with that, there comes the tendency to say a lot of words. Like this shows up a lot when talking about uh, like price increases, for example, where they start talking about cost of supplies and the economy and all of these things. Factually true, but if I'm going to be fully honest, they're facts that your clients don't care about because they don't, they're not relevant to them. How much your foils no. cost is not relevant to your client. So no. just cut all that out and just simply say what it is that they need to know. The prices mm-hmm. are going up by X amount as of this date. I'll quote you a new one, a new price for your service at your next appointment. See ya. Just keep yeah. it simple. <laughs> Without all the additional language, whatever it may be, even if it's with your schedule, you don't need to tell them that you have three kids and a spouse that you want to spend time with and go on vacation. Like, all that's true. And that may be mm-hmm. amazing, but they don't care. They don't, it's not relevant. No, it's not relevant. And it also, I think that whenever you get into the process of over explaining, and I've actually been on the receiving end of this as a client, like the over explaining, it seems like you're not confident in your decision. Yeah. And that's something where if you're communicating from a place where you seem unsure, you're going to project that onto your client and they're going to be like, oh, is the, should I feel unsure about this? Whereas, if you can confidently communicate and make sure that you're holding the value to match what you're doing, I think that's truly the ticket there. And I could not agree more in terms of the communication with the policies, because I think that also often it ends up in the wrong place and it ends up hitting the people who like, for instance, you post about your cancellation policy as a response to someone canceling. It's not the person who's callous and doesn't care about your time that's going to be affected by that. It's the person who maybe had to cancel last week because their kid had a fever and they couldn't take them to daycare that felt really bad about it. That's the person who's going to be affected by those types of communications. So I think it's really important, going back to what you said before, to be proactive instead of reactive when it comes to communicating your prices, your boundaries, all of those things. because. I'm just blanket statement. I don't think 
social media is the place for it, period. That's a marketing channel. It should not be. I love the finger wagging hand on the hip visual because that's exactly what I see. But yeah, I think it comes to thinking about it all the way through, not from a place of emotion and reaction. Agreed. And I actually, I put up a post a while ago just talking about a client who rescheduled and my response to her. And I had someone comment. There was a lot of client feedback on that post. And someone who is a client of a stylist, she was saying that she had actually switched stylists because she was following her on social and she said all of her posts were talking about how her clients violate her boundaries and about the costs of business and that she has a life too and all of these things that I see. Wow. And I'm not trying to speak poorly of anybody, but it's it's so common and I know why it happened. That's why that, that stuff we work out on the back end. You don't say that to your clients and you definitely don't put that out there on social. And that woman is proof positive that it lands really terribly with clientele. And we don't want that. We, We want the opposite of that. Exactly. And if you think about it from like a human perspective, even if you're a business, like your whole thing is to try and make people, especially in our business, we're there to make people feel great about themselves. We're there to elevate and contribute positively. So putting things out that are designed to shame our clients, like it just it has the opposite effect and you're not going to attract people that are like, oh, like you're just going to attract the attention of people who that kind of thing is going to resonate with. That's not your dream clients. So I am so grateful to you for coming on today and just sharing your perspective. I think you are one to follow on social media for sure. I love your approach and it is a breath of fresh air in terms of communication. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and thanks everyone for listening in. Where can my listeners go to find out more about you? I hang out on Instagram. I know with the plethora of social media platforms, Instagram is where I spend my most time. So (laughs) my handle is at underscore beauty and the brain. You can shoot me a DM if you listen to this and if there's anything you want to dive into further. I've got all of my coaching info on there. If you just want to chat and say, hey, my DMs are always open. So Instagram is the way to go. Perfect. And I will put a link to your Instagram in the show notes as well so that you can easily find and connect with Mariah. Awesome. Thanks again for being here. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.